I'm thrilled that today we've got Pastor Bill Vasilakis to speak uh, to us. Um, I always enjoy when Bill comes, such a depth of wisdom and experience and, uh, and character. And so really looking forward to what you've got to share with us this morning, Bill. If I can just give a brief introduction for perhaps people here that might not have met Bill before. Bill is the Senior Minister of the Christian Family Centre at Seton. He's Chair of the Board of Elders for the CFC Churches International. And Bill's been working closely with our local leadership team during the process of selecting our new lead pastor. So we're really grateful to have you involved in that process, Bill. So thank you for coming today and I'll hand over to you. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Great to be here. This is a monthly event now. I'm coming down in November and and December, and I've already worked out what I'm going to share in November and December. That's amazing because I haven't worked out what I'm going to share at Seton. So, uh, so I think maybe the Lord is is guiding a little bit in the kind of word that um, I should be sharing. The um, we have our CRC national conference starting Tuesday and um, so the other role that I have is just another little role is I lead our CRC Churches International Movement and I've been doing that since 2002 and uh, we have a yearly Pastors and Leaders Conference, there'll be about 400 or so people there. You are invited to come Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night. You've got to be there Tuesday night. Is the Reverend Smythe here? Oh, he is. Hey, David. Do you realise he has clocked up 40 years of being a credentialed CRC minister? That's older than most of you are alive. And Tuesday night, we're going to honour those who've done 40 years and 30 years. And, um, and so uh, uh, there's a few of us that have been around for 40 years. I'm one of those as well. And uh, this year is actually my 40th year leading the Christian Family Centre. And... Um, so, uh, just seems like yesterday. What did I drop? Did I drop anything? No, oh, I dropped a pen. That's for you. So come along Tuesday night to, to at least to stand with David and Arena because we want to honour all our long-term pastors. So Pastor David's not retired. You realise that? We don't believe in retirement in the CRC movement. Uh, we've renamed it called Refirement and uh, we just new roles for them. So we have Barry Silverback sharing at Seton right now. I was there for the 8.30 service. He is 80 and he's pioneering in India. He is full of the Holy Spirit and he proclaims Christ and he's out there still doing it. So he's our international missions director. So what an example. So uh, um, what an encounter. Then next week we've got Dr. Barry Chant, the two Barrys, two of our CRC fathers, and Barry's 80 as well and he's still writing books and he's still ministering. So they're great examples. So they're examples to me. I'm in my 60s, and so I'm saying to people, well, I'm never going to retire. I'm going to be around for an awful long time, Lord willing. I may change roles, but uh, God has called us all, while we have life and breath, to function in his church. And there are no age barriers. There are no gender barriers. There are no racial barriers. And for all of you who are part of the Christian Family Centre here at Hills, he has placed you here. And that's what I want to focus on today in my my message to you. Um, You are shaped to make a difference. You really are. Each of you have a unique shape. I'm not talking about your physical shape, because that changes over the years, but your inner shape, who, who you really are. And here's the question I'm firing at you. Am I really needed here? Am I really needed here? If I didn't turn up next week, would I be missed? Or if I said, well, look, maybe I'll need to go to another church somewhere. Am I, I'm not really needed here. Well, I want to blow that out of the water and encourage you today that you are absolutely needed in this local body where Jesus has placed you, okay? And for those who are not here, may you get, a mess, get the message and give it to them or get them to listen to it because I believe this implicitly. Um, am I really needed? Yes, I am. Here are three reasons. The first one is I am needed because God has miraculously placed me in Jesus' body. You're a miracle. 
You are not here by your own human choice. You didn't kind of choose Jesus. He chose you. In fact, he knew you before you were even a, a glint in your daddy's eye. In fact, even before your daddy was around and your mother, he knew you. That's what scripture says. It says he knew us before even the foundation of the world. I don't understand that, but I accept it, that I'm not an accident. I'm meant to be. And uh, he called me and he called you to be a part of his forever family. And if you're a born-again Christian, inhabited by the Holy Spirit, you will live forever and ever. And we sang some songs on that, on that day. On that day, we're going to see him face to face. One of my best friends, his mum just went to be with the Lord suddenly. I just caught up with him this morning for coffee um, uh, at church and, and we just talked and, and we just said, you know, we don't know how people cope with this. In fact, they don't cope if they don't know Jesus. We have no fear of death because we know where we're going. A miracle took place to save you. God called you and he placed you in his body. If you're part of Jesus' church and you are, this is a supernatural work of God, folks. You're a walking miracle. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. I love this little passage. People misunderstand it, but it says, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, he's not referring to water baptism. He is referring to being born again. The miraculous working of God's Holy Spirit to draw you to the foot of the cross where you believe upon Christ who died for your sins. You acknowledge that he rose from the dead, that he's in heaven interceding for you. He sent the Holy Spirit to come and inhabit you. you the Holy Spirit, you, you've been baptized, you've been immersed. The Holy Spirit has grabbed you and brought you into the body of Christ. Um, and it says... You know, like we're given one spirit to drink. Your spiritual thirst now is quenched through Christ and it will always be quenched when you keep your eyes firmly upon Jesus. Look at John 1, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. But notice this, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision. It wasn't even your decision. Or of a husband's will, but born of God. You are born of God. God chose you. So we believe in Jesus with all of our hearts and we receive him. That's the human response to becoming aware of who he is. But it's a miraculous action of God to get you in Christ. Look at this scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. You are the body of Christ. Now, Paul is speaking to the Corinthians. And in the New Testament, whenever he talks about the church, it's always the local church. Very rare is it the universal church. So when we talk about church, the ecclesia in the Greek, he's talking about the church in that location, in Corinth. The church here up in the hills. And he's actually saying, you are the body of Christ for your location. You are called to be the body and to function, just like there are hundreds of bodies of Christ throughout South Australia, of churches of all denominations. So you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. But then look at Romans 12. That's the diversity part. Now look at the unity part. For just as each of us has one body with many members... And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body. Diversity and unity. We're one body and yet we have a multiplicity of parts. And so let me ask you a question then. How this outworks itself. How many people did it take, has it taken to put on this Sunday gathering? Lots of people. I fired this question to the Seton congregation and I said to the team, I said, I want you to tell me how many different people are involved in putting on our four Sunday, four, we have four congregations, Friday morning and then 8.30, 10.30, 5.30. We call them congregations. They each have their congregation pastor. And, um, and I said, how many people does it take to, to put on 
that, and they said 180 people each week. Sorry, my apologies, 110 people each week for the Sunday. I said, okay, what about all of our ministries midweek? How many different people? They said 180 people. And that's people rostered. Like my wife right now is running the kitchen ministry at Seton. This is one team that's on today, say 15. There'll be another 15 next Sunday. There's about 60 different people involved in that ministry. Altogether, we have 531 people over a month that will serve in some way. Second question I raised is, well, who gets paid to do this? We looked around and we, like we looked around here today, is Goran, is he paid to do that? The two girls, the, the, the three girls? No, no. Uh, is uh, the Sunday school, are they paid to do it? Good. Uh, that, you know right? Sorry? Sorry. Oh, Zoran, okay. It's been, it was a late night last night. How many are paid to run the, 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 the creche or the kids' ministry? None. This church has three paid staff, and they're fantastic. The two women are fabulous. I would pinch them and bring them down to seat, and if you don't want to use them, we'll use them. Yeah, they're fantastic. <laughs> I'm good to hear that response. That's great. And Sam, he's fantastic. You've got three. They do certain duties. They don't run the church, actually. If you look at it today, you run the church. You lead the church. You are functioning as a body, and you've, you've proven the point here. This church is run by the body. So, for example, in, in our Christian Family Centre structure, right across our churches, here as well as Seton and, and the other churches, and by the way, I was at Alice Springs last weekend, and I was in the car that was basically given by certain families from this church. I think that's right, isn't it? Two or three families, Ben and Megan, I think you guys and others, and that vehicle has been used to reach Indigenous people. So that's part of the family. Your, your generosity has actually gone to bless them as they're, as they're reaching a lot of people. And even our support of Ben for two days, uh, Ben Matson for two days a week, we pay for that. 7% of your income, 7% of Seton, we, we actually help cover him. So we're actually working together as, as a body. But here in this place now, how are we employed? Our staff are employed, for example, if someone comes on a day a week, they're 8.30 to 5. So I'm employed five days a week, 8.30 to 5, that's 37 and a half hours per week. So in the evenings and on weekends, I'm a volunteer. So I volunteer, I probably put in three nights a week and then maybe a, an eight, ten-hour day on, on Sunday. So I probably put in maybe 50 hours, 55 hours a week. Now, we expect, for example, your key leaders here who run businesses and, or, or, or mothers who are home duties, that's... that's, that's a job, an important job, probably the most important job. So what we expect is, is key leaders put in, say, two nights a week max and then a Sunday service. So two nights is, say, three, six hours, and then Sunday, let's say, it's four, that's 10 hours. So if you're working 37 and a half hours a week, another 10 on top of that is 47 and a half. We reckon 47 to 50 hours. If you volunteer 10 to 12 hours in the life of the church, that's fantastic. The normal Christian life is attending the church weekly, being involved in a midweek activity and serving in some way, either in that midweek activity or, or through Sunday. So we don't pay our staff to do all the ministry. They have certain duties. The ministry is done by you and me. So here today, I'm a volunteer. I don't get paid for 8.30 service and this service because I'm volunteering it. You volunteer to serve, why shouldn't I volunteer if I'm, if I'm being paid during the week? That's a different proposition. And we've built that deliberately to validate every single person who serves on a Sunday and midweek, those who are paid, pastors, administrators, they ain't better. They aren't superior. There's not a different rule for them. And so we're volunteers in the evenings as well. And, uh, and so you work out, you do an exercise, how many different people it takes to run Sunday and midweek, and it will shock you. And you realise your paid staff only do certain duties. And I'm not against paid staff, but I've been to churches 
one in Africa, it was run by a lady. I was in her church, Pastor Reverend Katie. She has about a 1,000 people. She has no paid staff except for herself, none. I said, wow, how do you do that? So her secretaries are fantastic business people and they volunteer probably from 4 o'clock to 8 o'clock each night and they come in and do the administration. It's the people that are... So she's tapped into the power of the body to actually be functioning. And so, um, so folks, you are needed because God has miraculously placed you in the body. Secondly, are you really needed? Yes, I am because I have a distinctive shape to advance Jesus' cause. Now, if what I've said is true, and I believe it is true, that the church is basically run and operates through the body and every person's gifting operates. Now, we have some of our senior people who now can't move, okay? So some of them can't even attend our services. We actually take the service to them. We've got a structure in place to say, you know what, they are as valuable a part of the body, and so we will take communion, we will go and visit them. Do you know they give their finance, they pray? Some of them, and I know one of the ladies here, older, she's 95, she's probably given her and her husband... Without exaggeration, probably a quarter of a million dollars over the past 20 years. He's gone to be with the Lord. I mean, they've just given enormously to missions and to building programs and to, to special needs. And every time I'd go overseas, she'd hand me yes, three or $4,000. I said, no, I don't want it. She goes, well, here it is. Take it. Use it for something. So just generous. Now, she can hardly move. She can't contribute anymore. But I tell you what, she contributes with her prayers and with her faith and we take church for her. So it doesn't have to do with working. It has to do with value. She's part of the body. And I've said to our team, I said, I don't care how old the person is. My dad was 99 when he went to be with Jesus and he lived with me. We looked after him. The older you get, the more we must respect and care for our elderly, like we do with our children. The, the, the sign of a healthy church is how you look after your kids and how you look after your elderly people. And everyone is important, including the elderly ones among us. And uh, they function. And I know this lady, she, she prays. Like, I, I know she prays unbelievably so. Am I really needed? Yes, I am, because I have a distinctive shape to advance your Jesus cause. And let's talk about your shape. There's some of you going, oh, no. Don't want to know about my shape. What does shape stand for? S-H-A-P-E, your spiritual gifts. What God has gifted you with, okay? Secondly, what you love to do, your heart, your passion... Thirdly, what natural abilities you've got. They're not necessarily spiritual gifts, but they're natural abilities. All of you have them. This guy here has natural abilities. And he's using those natural abilities. Our fabulous bass guitarist, who I messed up his name, he has got some natural abilities. (laughs) And he's fantastic at it. Then... Your personality. What is my personality type? What am I really like as a person? That determines how God's going to use you. And E, your life experiences. Every one of your life experiences, God is allowed to happen, even the bad stuff. He's allowed to happen, though he's not the cause of it. And through Christ, he can redeem and heal and help us to those things to be used for his glory. This is how you're shaped. So your spiritual gifts, you at least have one spiritual gift. Now, I have listed, I've identified 16 ministry gifts based on these scriptures. Ephesians 4.11, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Now, most Pentecostal preachers, even within their own CRC movement, would say, oh, Bill, it's just the five-fold ministry gifts. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, all the others are sub-gifts. I've never accepted that argument. Some say, oh, they're ministry gifts and the others are motivational gifts. And I say, the five-fold are the ones. Well, even there, it's an error because being a Greek man, the final phrase, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, the Greek construction is, and those who pastor and teach. It could be one person. So it could be four ministry gifts. And that final one 
is they shepherd and teach is a gift. Different to prophet, different to evangelist, different to apostle. So, so my argument has been, as I read the scripture, I think Paul has an etc. at the end of ministry gifts. Like the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which I want to talk about next month when I come. The nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. I think there's an etc. Like the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness. I think there's an etc. I don't think there's just nine, nine. Uh, in Colossians, in fact, with the fruit of the Spirit, compassion and humility he mentions. He doesn't mention those in Galatians. So I think when we read the scripture, we must not kind of look at it as, as being definitive and absolute in areas where, where it, it, it gives plenty of room to reflect on. And I've identified 16 spiritual gifts. Now, some of these... You might think, but aren't they gifts of the Holy Spirit? For example, those who are healers, those who are miracle workers. Well, hey, those who speak in tongues, those who interpret the gift of speaking in tongues. Um, hey, look, all of us speak in tongues. I was speaking in tongues here this morning during that final song. I just, I just, every day I try and speak in tongues. So I spent about five minutes just using my prayer language. Not loud. It wasn't meant to be interpreted, just for me, between God and me. So... So I speak in tongues every day. But this is the gift of tongues for public use when there's interpretation. Now, where that's to happen, whether it's to be done on Sunday or midweek, we've, we've experimented all kinds of stuff. And I'll talk a bit about that next month because it is a question that people raise as the church grows. How do you find expression for all the gifts of the Spirit? But there are some people who are tongue speakers and interpreter of tongues that somehow they've always got a word for the body. That's a ministry gift. It's, for example, healing. I'd love to pray with anyone who is sick today, and we believe that anyone can lay hands on the sick, pray in Jesus' name, and God will, in fact, bring measures of healing to people. But I would not say that I have a healing gift, that I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a healer or a miracle worker. Some people specialise in this, and the gifts of the Spirit seem to flow through them. So there are 16 of these. Now, to help you understand this, for those of you that bought my book, The Church We Can Be, and uh, I have two chapters on, on ministry gifts. And if you want to dig into this, I recommend you get hold of it and, and purchase it. None of the money comes to me. It all goes back into publication so I can give them to places like Fiji and Papua New Guinea, just give them away for free. But if you really want to get into this, then these two chapters explain, as I've seen it over 40 years in a local church, how these gifts operate. And I have no doubts that each of you here have at least one, possibly two. You might have a major one and then possibly a second and third. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, server, encourager, contributor. Contributor. Man, that's giving money. Yet yeah, we all give money. We all give our tithes. And we're supposed to give our tithes. 10% of our income, that's just the normal Christian life. If you're a disciple, you just do that. It's not a big deal for me. You just do it. But there are some people, like that lady I was telling you about, she's an extraordinary giver. The man that I, who, who talked to me today, he's my age, his mum just went to be with the Lord. He's a businessman and in the early days he came to me and said, Bill, he goes, I've got to talk to you. He goes, is there something wrong with me? And I said, well, I don't know, tell me more. Because I've got this insatiable desire to earn money. And then you do? Said, yeah. Because I read this book by Robert Latournieu, the guy who started the Caterpillar franchise. And Robert Latournieu actually was a strong creator. He would give 10% of his income. And as the, as the Lord would bless him, he'd increase it. And ultimately, old Latournieu was giving 90% of all the monies from Caterpillar, you know, the big Caterpillar, you know, the tractors, to Jesus and to missions. And he's telling me, and he goes, because oh, I want to do the same. I said, you sure? He goes, yeah. And then, so, so you've got this insatiable desire to earn money. And why do you want to earn it? Because I want to give it to Jesus. And I said, you haven't got a problem, mate. You've got a gift. And that gift is called the gift of contributing. You have my blessing. Give, 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 give to the poor and the needy. And, and may there be thousands of these kinds of people. So that's a gift. But it does not mean that we don't give. Oh, we'll just give it to the giver. The givers. There's a ministry gift for you, Andrew. Therefore, I don't have to give. Give me a break. Or service. Practical service. I'm not very good practically. But in my office, I clean my own toilet. 
That's really bad, isn't it? I'm a preacher. I'm a teacher. I'm the head. I'm the head honcho of the Christian Family Centre. And Marion, they've got me cleaning my own toilet. What is going on? Hey, you may not be good at it, but we all roll up our sleeves and we do a whole pile of stuff that perhaps we're not gifted to do. But these are particular giftings. And folks, you have at least one of them. Um, My wife, Cathy, and uh, if you understand her life experiences, and she gives her testimony in the the me I can be, amazing, the, the level of dysfunction that came into her life because of no fault of her own, because of a, of a, of a domestic violence situation where the father was, was a, a child beater, basically, would have been put in jail, should have been put in jail. It caused a whole pile of, of, of um, issues in her life. You read her story. As I look at Kath, she's now been married to her 40 years. She's very gifted. Naturally, she can teach, she can preach, and she can actually... Um, she's very skilled. She teaches at the university and all that. But you know what her ministry gifted? Serving and mercy helping. Very clear. She loves serving. Practical things. She will show love to you by what she does for you. Is that because there was a dissonance between what happened in the home? I don't know. But she's found she gets her reward by doing acts of kindness to people and serving them. And secondly, mercy helping. She will find somebody... I mean, any stray dog she will find and look after it. Any situation. So I go home sometimes from overseas and half my clothes are missing. She's given them away. (laughs) And I say, well, you can't do that because I'm a natural hoarder. And she goes, honey, you've put on 10 kilos. You can't wear that shirt anymore. Stop fantasising you're going to try and lose it and one day you're going to wear that shirt. I've given it away. Somebody needs it now. Okay, that's a good argument. I can't argue with that one. I'm at the... She's at the shopping centres. And, you know, people... You know, when, when you line up, and if you have older people there and they go really slow in the cash... You know, like, pull out their money and one can of this and, and, and you know, and, and she's watching this old fella you know, counting his money and how many cans of tomatoes and very meagre. So Kath just looks at the, at, the, at the girl and she goes, girl goes, yeah. So she, the woman, the girl goes to the guy, sir, that lady there's going to pay for it. Well, the guy nearly collapses with a heart attack. He goes, oh. hey, she sees that. If I was there with her, and there's an old codger up the front holding up the line. I'd be going, give me a break. I've got to prepare my message for Sunday. I've got to go and visit this person. I've got to write that letter. Could you just hurry up? I wouldn't say it. I'd smile and pretend to be loving and nice. I wouldn't know. I'm, I'm con- I don't even see the need. She sees the need. Because, and she always does because there's a mercy-helping gift. And a mercy-helping gift is a beautiful gift. And when we let that fly within the church, and I'll tell you, it does amazing things. If the church was built around the gift that I have and a couple of maybe one other or maybe say two sub-gifts, the church would be stunted. The Christian Family Centre would be a terrible place, all of our churches, if it was totally built around one gift. God has built all these gifts in the body, and folks... Every one of you have at least one of these gifts. You might be saying, well, I don't know which one it is. Well, get the book, study it, read it, pray. God, I'll give you lots of illustrations, and then talk to one of your leadership team. If you're off beam and and, and it's like, well, that's not quite how we... Your leadership team, the men and women, include their wives... If you sit down with them, they're mature, smart people. They will be able to say, well, I think you're right in that or maybe you're not quite ready for that area. And so we, we are committed to you functioning and flowing in every aspect of ministry. And I say this, in case any of you think, oh, when we have our next lead pastor, then all the ministry is done by him or her and 
you know, all the gifts and somehow we're going to find our place because the leadership team and our board of elders make a, a right decision. Well, that's wrong thinking. That leader will have certain functions to outwork, but he is not Jesus. Jesus is the head, we are the body. He has one part to play. But all of you working together make this thing happen. And that's why if it takes us three weeks, three months, six months for that person, that does not mean the body can't function. The body is not dead. Jesus is the head. So the church can grow and is growing and there's life and development. And so that's why we, we trust him in this. And I encourage you that you are the body of Christ. Hey, heart. Let's go back to the, to the, there are those 16 gifts. Go back to heart, spiritual gift, the previous slide, guys. Heart, what do you love to do? What is it that you love to do? God is not going to get you to do something that is outside of basically your passion. Somehow people think, oh, you know, I'm scared the Lord might, might ask me to do something I don't want to do. Well, that's just crazy talk. Crazy thinking. He's not going to get you to do something you don't want to do. He's going to create in you the very desire to want to do his will. And he knows what you, what you love to do. And sometimes there's a synergy between the spiritual gift and your passion. Okay? So, like, Kathy has these natural abilities, but she doesn't see them as a spiritual gift. So, so serving and mercy helping is a passion. She loves to do it. And so there was one of our older... Lady pastors who, you know, kind of went up to her one year at conference, goes, Kathy, I just, she felt she had a word from the Lord for her. Got obsessed and she goes, Kathy, I think it's time for you to give up the practical areas and sit with your husband in the front row as he leads the movement. Like doing Nancy Reagan, just sit there and look at him and smile. And, and Kathy would die a thousand deaths rather than do that. Not that she doesn't like me or we get on together, says that she just wants to be there with a group of 80 people serving and helping and making sure everything flows. And so she said to the lady, she said, well, look, she goes, you really, I don't accept that as a prophetic word. So she says, look, I think you're off beam. Well, you're right to do that. If someone gives you a prophetic word, and if, it, if Jesus is not saying that to you, well, you can say, well, thank you, be nice, but say that's not, doesn't connect. She goes, look, God's called me to do this and I love to do it. It's my passion and heart. I'd die sitting in the front row for every session. No. I'll do it at night when I finish. So sometimes people make judgment calls because they think the person should be in a particular role, and they're not. And in the mercy gift, this one operates behind the scenes. It's not a public role. She gives money. She gives clothes. She gives food. Uh, she would do a whole pile of extra stuff, and, and, and a lot of people do that. And I'll tell you, that makes the body hum when mercy is flowing and acts of kindness that, that doesn't even have to be recognised. Some of you are mercy givers. Some of you are servers. What do you love to do? Thirdly, what do you have a natural aptitude in? Natural abilities. Now, some of you have certain skills. You're farmers, you're businessmen, you're accountants, you're technical, you, you can knit, you can... There's about a thousand different skills that people can have. Now, all of those natural abilities are not spiritual gifts. However, sometimes what tends to happen is when you become a Christian, when you get born again, spirit-filled, that natural ability becomes a spiritual gift. And there's a connection with it. For example, teachers, uh, people who love teaching kids and love teaching, uh, sometimes they're very good in actually teaching the word. Okay, and, and so that can be a teaching gift in the natural, but they're also very good in communicating the, 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 the scriptures. And, and so there is a natural thing. For me, and I, when I became a Christian, it, I, I, wasn't, I just rolled up my sleeves and, and, and I just did what I, what I was asked to do. So from 17 years of age, my first ministries were evangelism. I just won souls in our high school and then in the universities and then set up ministries in high schools. That was, I loved doing it. And then they asked me in the church, well, could you look after our young people? So we set up pastoral stuff with kids. And I, I called our, our church kids in those days church monsters because they kind of like were 
brought up in the Christian faith, but they weren't on fire. I wanted to work with the raw, wild young people who'd got saved out of the world and I didn't have issues of consecration and dedication. So I had all these church kids that were like this, like I'm speaking a different language. Well, I tell you what, it taught me a lot. And so what it did, it revealed that I don't have a high-capacity pastoral shepherding gift, but it revealed I've got a high-capacity leadership gift. I outfoxed them every time. So I came up with an idea. I thought, how do I get them on fire? So there was a nursing home. And so they said, oh, can, can you guys do the nursing home? And I thought, what a great idea. Oh, so we, we went to the nursing home once a month, and I'd get all these half-backslidden kids. You are going to give you testimony. You're going to uh, read a scripture. You're going to pray. And, the, and I could see them saying, you don't know me. I'm backslidden. And I gave them a week or so to get their lives right with God. Do you know, amazingly, all these church monsters that were just kind of playing church, when they got up at the nursing home, they were like consummate professionals. They prayed, they'd read the scripture, they were on fire, and they started ministering. So what was that? That's just a, leader, a, a leadership little skill of actually how to, how to draw people and get the best out of them without them knowing you're being sneaky. So Jesus says, be as harmless as a dove, but as sneaky as, as a snake. So a leader's got to be sneaky, but wholesomely sneaky, with integrity. Harmless as a dove, but as cunning as a snake. So leaders outfox people. They think ahead. So I have fox. And we had a revival among those church monsters. They all became on fire. And they started setting up Christian action groups in their high schools. So, so that worked. And then I'm doing a whole... And it became obvious... After a period of time, I was always being asked to lead something. And I would go, yep, I'll do it. And so when did that leadership gift come in? I don't know. Except when I was a little kid, whether in primary school or high school, I was always the leader of the gang, and they always would ask me to lead, you know, to lead things. So was it a natural gift or a spiritual gift? I don't know. In fact, I'm, I don't break my brains out. I just think, well... I now identified that there is a leadership gift and it does not mean the person's better than the person who's got the pastoral gift or the apostolic gift or the prophetic gift. But you, you recognise that sometimes it's through your natural abilities that these become spiritual gifts. So think about that one. That may be something that you already have and you need to pray and say, well, God, if I yield this to you, could you use it in your kingdom? And he might say yes, or it may be you function that in your vocation, but you do something different in the church. Your personality. You have a unique personality type. You are wired in a particular way. <laughs> and it's common sense. So your extroverts should be at the door and welcoming. Isn't that right? So if, if you have somebody who's at the door, and we had this at Seton, where the person, see you later, God bless you. I'm not offended. I oh, know, I'm just teasing you. And they'd shake my hand. Now, what does this feel like? Hi, good to have you at church. What does that feel like? A limp fish. And they could not... And it was cruel and unusual punishment to put a person who's naturally an introvert at the door to be the official welcomer. You've got to have somebody who's at least not scared of their own shadow and will give me, no, you say, hi, it's good to see you. Let's come out here, just come out, do a little experiment with you. Just come, come out here. And you don't get the person who is all zeal but no brain. So you don't put this person at the door. So you're coming in, this is your first time to church. Hi, good to see you. Oh, I love you. Oh, welcome, welcome. That's overkill. That is going to turn him off. He's going to turn around and run away. People say, oh, you know, I want the extrovert who's just... You want a balanced extrovert who's not going to cross the boundaries of a person. And, you know, it's, it's welcome them. Hi, it's good to see you. You know, um, and to be positive, not scared, but not offensive and intrusive. So, therefore, personality is important when you consider the roles that people have. So I've had, I've had people saying, you know, I'm, I'm called to preach. And you let them get up for 10 minutes and within five minutes you're asleep. 
oh, they, they think they're called to preach. They just don't, no, it just doesn't work. No, so therefore, who makes the assessment? The body does. The body knows whether the person is an extrovert or introvert, whether the person's got it to communicate the word. And so that's why the body functions together and that's why the leadership team and their spouses have got a pretty good level of common sense to guide people with courage and faith and say, well, look, I think you're right on that one, Dave, but look, on that one, I don't think you're quite right. You know, like, we all need that to guide us in this because our personalities... You know, we are who we are by the grace of God. And God will use your unique personality type. Experience. You've all had life experiences. You know, some of the best healers I know are people that have had terrible trouble in their lives. Three of our Christian family centre pastors, three of the men have been sexually abused as little boys. They're men in their 60s and 70s. Now, and they're the best healers. You know, and, and a couple of them only brought it out when they were in their 50s. Women tend to talk about it a lot earlier. So these men, and I look at them and I think, you know what? They found healing in Christ. They've, not only that, but they've actually now have such sympathy and empathy for men who have gone through it and who are usually older men that share what happened to them as a child. They're the best ones. Me? I just cry with them. I'd, I'd, just, I'd be a crybaby with them. I, I wouldn't be able to help them. Or I'd want to grab the offender and kill him. And that's not very Christian. You know, it's like, I just, I can't relate to that. I find it, I, my heart goes, oh, how could anyone do that to a child? How could you abuse a beautiful child? They are healers. And, and, um, and Pastor Ray Betcher's testimony is in here when he shares. We wouldn't have the Christian Family Centre if Ray didn't receive the call of God, his story of what happened to him. So some of you have gone through hell and back. But you know, Jesus was there and he saved you and he wants to heal you and restore you to the point where you can use those life experiences to be a blessing to other people. So there's nothing that's lost in the kingdom, even though he's not the cause of these things. He redeems, he heals, he restores, and he releases us. So that's how you determine your shape. And over time, you can, you will discover. So finally, my final point before I lead you in prayer, am I really needed? Yes, I am, because I've been called and gifted by Jesus to serve others. The whole point of ministry is not about myself. It's actually about others. It's about other people. And so when a ministry gift tends to adulate themselves. And I'll spend a chapter on this of how you can tell false ministry. It's all about them and what they get out of it. We follow Jesus' model. He's the perfect apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, contributor, healer, miracle worker. He is, he is the ultimate. We look to him. And his whole approach was the Son of Man has come, what? To serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The unique thing about the body of Christ, the church, is that it's there, that each part of the body is there to serve somebody else. The moment that becomes, I will serve for what I'm going to get out of it, uh-uh. There'll be disappointment, there'll be difficulty, there'll be division. It's I serve because Jesus called me and I'm going to contribute into your life and not expect anything in return. I know pastors who quit in ministry because they can't handle people leaving their church. Or they sow their lives into some people, and then those people somehow turn and, and just, you know, through their dysfunction, they turn on, and the pastor just goes, oh, I'm finished. I said, well, to me it reveals, why are you serving? Why are you giving to that person? Why are you counseling? I said, you're doing it for Jesus, and you're doing it not to return. You, you do it to serve the best interest of If you are wanting something back, I said, you're going to get disappointed, you're going to get hurt. And so within the body, guys, whatever gift you have, use it to serve the best interest of another person, not what you're going to get out of it. However, what happens is tremendous fulfilment, a sense of satisfaction when you see fruitfulness. If you are faithful in operating those gifts and there's fruit, you find great fulfilment. 
And that's correct and that's good. Your sense of worth and value goes up, but you don't do it to receive back from people. And my encouragement to you is discover what your gift is. Discover what your unique shape is. And then develop those gifts to the maximum and then start deploying them for Jesus' glory. And for some of you, you need to make an appointment with Wayne or Angela or Dan and Jess or or Sam and Joe or David and Jenny and, and sit down and say, look, I'm not actually doing anything, but I'm part of the body. Help me to discover it. And it's not based on age. It's not based on age or sex or, or, or uh, your past. And each of you can function and flow in a particular area. And I tell you, this church will know no bounds in its future. Can I hear an amen to this? Do you believe this? I was thinking of you, Ken. When I came in, I saw your beautiful face and I've always admired how always you look happy and there's, I just felt light coming from you. I thought there's, 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 there's a lightness of being in you. And I thought, you know, you've got to let that light shine. People need to see the true Ken because that's needed. What's in you is needed to enlighten some other people that are in some darkness just hanging around you, not even having to counsel them. Hang around you. You will enlighten them for who you are. So don't dim that light. It's there. You're uniquely yourself. The other person was Jess. As I was what, Jess, you see there? Yeah, Jess, when I was watching you, I thought, I mean, I don't know you well. I just like what I see. I've said that to your husband. You know what I saw, Jess, was... There's just a lot of depth there in you. There's a lot of depth and a lot of character. You know, you, you, there's character, there's depth, but you need to let it out so others can see it. Don't hold back for whatever reason you're holding back. I don't know. And I could be wrong on this. You've got to assess it with the Lord. Don't hold back for whatever reason because what's in you, that character that stability, that sense of people feeling safe, a lot of people need, you, you need to actually spread that out. Let it come out of you. People need that. They need. So what's in you for whatever has, and you may be thinking of something that has actually been a, a, like a restrictor. No, because, or maybe a sense of a little bit of inferiority holding back. But You've got it on the inside. It needs to come out to benefit a whole stack of people because you're very uniquely shaped in certain ways. Okay? I just felt that. that you, you're sub- the word I had was substantial. That's the word. I'm trying to think of the word. Say, you're a substantial person. And that substance that's within needs to be revealed to a whole stack of people that are going to need help and support from you. That's what I felt. I know you're a busy mum and you've got a difficult husband and, and you know, your time and all that stuff, but, but uh, that, that's what I felt. And there was someone else I felt. Who, did I, who was it that I... Oh, oh the other girl, the, the, the pianist. Where is she? Is she here or is she gone? Just come out here for a sec. You know what I felt? What's your name? Sorry? Nadine. As I was watching you, I thought, you know what? There's going to be, no, just, you can go back in a minute. I just, uh, I just felt there's going to be some unusual blessings that are going to come upon your life. And I see that. I just think, you know what? You get ready to receive what God has for you. Don't doubt. Don't fear. Don't cave in. You believe and you're blessed in Christ. But there's going to be some unusual blessing answers that are going to come your way. I don't know what they are, and I could, I could be way off, babe. You've got to pray about this. And if it's not right, don't say, oh, well, I've got... It has to be confirmed or to be confirmed. I just felt that. Unusual blessings are going to come your way. So let's just expect that. You can go back and look after the kids if you like. That's all right. Oh, you got... Oh, okay. That's it. Let's stand together, church. Next month, I want to share with you on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are not ministry gifts, but they're interconnected. And I want to try and help you to see 
how each of you can operate a gift of the Holy Spirit, though you may not have a, that particular ministry gift. Okay, a gift of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. They're in the Spirit and he gives them as he wills and he wants to use you to be supernaturally natural, naturally supernatural with the gifts. But today's challenge is you are the body of Christ. You have got something to contribute in this church. Am I really needed? Yes, I am, because God has miraculously place me in Jesus' body. Yes, I am because I have a distinctive shape to advance Jesus' cause. Yes, I am because I have been called and gifted by Jesus to serve others. Let's pray together. Loving Father, thank you for our time together around your word. Thank you, Lord, for just the privilege of being able to sow some seeds within this local church. I thank you for it. I thank you for every person here. And I pray that the seeds that I've sown in relation to this question, am I needed, will produce terrific fruit. Help everyone, Lord, to to take action upon this word and to be positive thinkers in relation to who they now are in Christ and what Christ wants to do in them and through them for the benefit of of this body of Christ that you have raised up. Bless them, guide them, let there be supernatural dreams and visions that are birthed. Clear guidance by the Holy Spirit, confirmation by leaders. May there be great activity that flows out of receiving this message that will help build the body and bring people into the kingdom. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've gone over time and uh, I would love to pray with anyone uh, who's really felt God is uh, clearly spoken. Yeah, you can't come, Musos, yeah. You come and... Um, um, so if you wanted to, to be prayed for, I'm happy to do that. Just to do it quickly because we're running out of time. And then uh, secondly, I'm happy to talk with anyone. They've set up a table out there and you can, if you want to grab this book, and there's the FPOS machine, or they'll handle all that. If you really want to get into ministry gifts or the life experiences of people that have gone through hell and back, the me I can be, and it hasn't stopped them serving him. So as we sing this song, if you need prayer, then you come forward here to the left and I'd love to be able to pray with you. Thanks.